Hello, and welcome to the NCEA podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hallo, a corporate partner of NCEA. You can learn more about their offerings at hallow.com backslash hallow for NCEA or by downloading their app in the App Store. Our guest today is Alessandro DeSanto, co-founder of Hallow. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. We're very excited to have you. Um, Alessandro is here to discuss meditation and what it means to meditate as Catholic or as a part of the Catholic Church, which I'm very excited to hear more about. Before we jump in, Alessandro, I understand you want to go ahead and lead us in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, would love to. Um, and what I was going to do is open with our kind of team prayer, which I think will set the stage and well for some of the things we're, we're going to talk about. So if we could, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, thank you for being with us always. Help us quiet our minds and our hearts so that we can hear your voice and follow your will. Extend your grace into the busyness of our lives so we may learn to be still and notice your presence. We pray for the courage to come to you, to share our burdens, and to listen to your voice. Help us trust in you so that you can hallow our lives. Thank you so much. Um, And before we jump into discussing meditation, Alessandro, um, do you want to go ahead and give a little background and how and in yourself and how Hallow came to be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll give the the abbreviated version of the Hallow story, but I uh, grew up in Pennsylvania, a big Italian American family. Uh, My mom was born and raised there. My dad's Italian a few generations back, and grew up in a big vivacious. Uh, Italian-American Catholic family, uh, proud graduate uh, of Catholic grade school, high school, and college, and ultimately um, went to Notre Dame, where I met what is now the founding team of of Palo. You know, we had all gone into different career paths. I actually started in finance, working on Wall Street in New York, um, and then as an investor in Chicago, and we were catching up on weekends as friends, and we realized that there were kind of two big sets of issues that we were going through in one form or fashion. Without going into each of those too much, um, my personal version was how do you find peace in a uh, really crazy world so often dominated by a constantly full email inbox or never-ending scroll on Netflix or Twitter or TikTok or you know, whatever your poison is and was just really stressed and looking for some peace. Um, like I said, born and raised Catholic, always identified with the intellectual traditions of the faith. Uh, took Thomas Aquinas as my confirmation saint and you know, believed that the Summa was, was very true and uh, the scripture was, was real, uh, but never had a deep personal spirituality. So that search for peace was not something I immediately connected with a faith question. Uh, Meanwhile, Alex, one of my co-founders and um, then best friend, um, had fallen away from his faith completely after high school and college and had gotten really into secular meditation using apps like Headspace and Calm. And he was basically a Headspace user every day for something like four years. And for him, preparing for marriage and starting a family. He started asking kind of the traditional big questions of life. You know, is God really there? Do I believe in him? And, and how do I get to know him? And so from these two very different places landed on prayer. Uh, him first in his search for does God exist? He was bouncing between the different intellectual arguments, uh, but ultimately, um, you know, thought to himself, well, I was always told growing up, you could talk to this guy, meaning God, if you could have a personal relationship with him, then he must be real. Uh, and if not, then so not really doesn't care about me. So how do I how do I do that? 
uh, called a former rector of ours and uh, from, from school and said, hey, does the church have any kind of meditation stuff? Because I'm, I like meditating, but I'm looking for something Catholic to see if God's real. And um, this priest just laughed out loud on the phone and said, Alex, I don't know how many classes you slept through here at Notre Dame, but uh, we've been doing this for like over 2,000 years. It's called prayer, and you should, you should really know what that is. And uh, put him down the path of discovering beautiful traditions, all of which we'll talk about today, um, uh, the beautiful uh, mystics of the faith, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, and really discovering that, that spirituality that immediately clicked for him as the um, way to have the conversation with God that made um, him realize God was there and did want to love him. Had a really deep contemplative experience in his first approach to meditative prayer. Uh, we'll talk about you know what those are, but um, then connected with with me in, in my search for you know being really stressed out about the world and ultimately um, meditative prayer specifically um, for me was the tools I was missing to ask those big kind of life questions of Lord, what do you want from me? To discern His law in everyday life. So for these two reasons, how to see if God's even real. Uh, and then how to find his will and what you're supposed to do every day in the midst of all this um, craziness and stress, we, we found ourselves in this same category of, of developing a, a really healthy prayer life with a focus on meditative prayer. And that uh, ultimately changed our lives and discerned a call to help other people go through similar experiences. So we quit our jobs and launched Hallow. Just um, as we record here about four and a half years ago, we launched in December. So um, just hit 10 million downloads and grown a bunch of much cool stuff. But um, our, our goal is really just to help people pray. I, I really appreciate you sharing that story, Alessandro, because um, I think often we as Catholics don't talk about when we're going through that faith journey of trying to discern where our path is. So it's really good. I think just as in all things within education, it's great to learn from one another. The more we share, the more that um, we can find the resources to support each other in our paths. So I really appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, and then, as you said, we're jumping in to discuss meditation. Why don't we start out with, um, you know, what is secular meditation? Yeah, it's really interesting. We talk about this all the time. Um, Eric, our third co-founder as well, we have a bunch of fun conversations around this. Like, If you ask someone, what is meditation? You ask 100 people, you're likely to get 100 different answers and different people's um minds go in different directions. And it's really a shame that I think in modern Western world, meditation has really been identified with kind of Eastern spirituality as kind of the same thing. And meditation certainly exists and certain approaches to meditation certainly exist in Eastern spiritual traditions, traditions and new kind of pseudo spiritual practices. Um, mindfulness is probably what most people are familiar with in, in today's context around one of the main types of meditation. What we usually find is kind of the two core elements of mindfulness. If you were to ask, you know, kind of your psychologists or um, kind of professional mindfulness people, or kind of two core attitudes. One of them is being in the present moment, kind of not focused overly on the past or the future, but being in the here and now. And then the second element is generally described as an attitude of non-judgment, kind of not being overwhelmed by your emotions. You've potentially heard of um, practices like when a stress pops up, envision it, putting it on a log and have it float down a stream, right? With this non-judgment. Um, half of that is really good. And half of that is slightly problematic from a um, Catholic and, and Christian perspective. Um, being in the present moment, that first point is really critical, actually, in the life of faith. And um, the present moment is the only moment we can exercise our will and invite God into our lives. Um, there's actually a lot of... Um, 
kind of vices associated with being with overly focused on the past or overly focused on the future, right? The here and now is, is where we want to live. It's that second piece of non-judgment that can sometimes get us into trouble. And so if we really have this total abandonment to there really isn't right or wrong or fine at the extreme, right? Um, or nothing really matters, that can, you know, that, that comes in conflict with, with a Christian worldview. What we want to do is instead um, bring a kind of refocused sense of purpose. And so the metaphor we, we use when we talk about this is kind of sailing from point A to point B. You need two things. One is for there not to be a hurricane, because if there's a hurricane, you're being tossed and turned all about. You can't navigate at all. Um, but you also need a compass or a GPS or something to actually help you get where you specifically want to go. And so that, that first piece of finding, uh, first part about finding peace is really important, right? So you're calling the, the sea, the, the storm in your mind, um, sometimes a phrase that's used, and, that, and that's good. Um, but imagine you're out in the middle of the ocean and you're trying to get somewhere and the sun's directly above you and you can't see land in any direction. And you can, that can also be you just want peace. Uh, that can be overwhelming and isolating. Um, what we need is the, the true north of Christ, right? We use that navigational metaphor um, to actually get to a specific place. And so when we think about Catholic meditation, which we'll talk about maybe here in a second, and kind of what the catechism, how the catechism describes meditation, it's actually a very specific type of prayer. And um, that's kind of the difference that we think about when, when we talk about meditation in a Catholic or Christian context as distinct from mindfulness, which is more an attitude of, of non-judgment. Great, thank you. And, you know, what are, when we're looking at this from a bigger picture, what are some of the similarities between um, secular and secular and Catholic meditation? Yeah, so that, that first piece is, I think, really the, the foundation of the similarity, right? It's, it's things like breathing, right? Breathing deeply at the beginning, you're kind of drawing yourself into the present moment. You'll notice that that'll feel very similar, maybe the first kind of 30 to 60 seconds of entering into a mindfulness meditation experience or a, you know, prayerfully, prayerful meditation. Um, you do want to be in the moment. You can use your breath to do that. That's um, encouraged and, and many of the saints have, have done and talked about that. Um, what differs is what you do next. And so maybe this is a, a, a point where we can talk about kind of the catechism. Part four of the catechism is all about the Christian life of prayer. Four, the fourth of four parts. And so it's kind of one of the big four. So if we're thinking about how important is this, it's right up there with the, the creed and the sacraments. So um, the catechism talks about prayer in many different ways and how to do it and examples. One of the frameworks that catechism uses is there's three expressions of prayer. The first one is vocal prayer. The second is meditation, full stop. And the third one is contemplation. And so here we see, okay, this is, this is one of the, the three main expression so there clearly is something going on here um, vocal prayer is probably what we're most familiar with either um, scripted in the sense of reciting the our father and praying in that way or in the language of Roman art but it's that conversational kind of relational um, conversation with with God uh, out loud or, or in the silence of our own hearts the catechism here talks about um, this is the essential element of Christian life that dialogue with God meditation uh, and if, if people are looking at their catechism, this kind of section of expression starts in paragraph 2700. So if you want to read up on this. Um, the second expression, meditation, which I think Catholics can often be surprised to see that as an entire section in the catechism. Um, I'll, just, I'll just read some of the catechism on this. Um, the catechism 
this describes meditation as, quote, above all, a quest. The mind seeks to understand the why and the how of Christian life in order to adhere and respond to what the Lord is asking. To the extent that we are humble and faithful, we discover in meditation the movements that stir the heart and we are able to discern them. Meditation engages thought, imagination, emotion, and desire. This mobilization of faculties is necessary in order to deepen our convictions of faith, prompt the conversion of our heart. End quote. And those were got three different paragraphs there. I think that actually is quite different from mindfulness meditation. So there's a there's an activity there, and I'll come back to the contemplation piece uh, as the, the third expression of prayer. But whereas mindfulness is, is very much kind of more passive and, and that attitude of non-judgment, that kind of being peace with all the things happening in your life, so you're not overwhelmed, which again is good, but it then kind of stops there. And so the Catholic conception of meditation is actually much different. It's very active. It's out there. The, the language of questing, we're kind of taking the truths of our faith in scripture in, in some form that we'll, we'll talk about here. Um, it's taking what we know to be true in a kind of dogmatic way and then asking, okay, what does that mean for me right here, right now in, you know, as we record June, 2023, what do I do with my everyday life? And that's really kind of that discovering of the movements that stir the heart so that we can discern them. It's, it's actually very practical and is meant to lend itself to everyday living. Um, you'll notice there that the catechism also talks about the engagement of the different senses. So sometimes we can feel kind of weirded out by the imagining yourself in a parable or a deep breathing or how are you feeling physically? Well, we're not spiritual beings, right? We're incarnate beings. We're created in the image of God. And part of what that means is having five senses. And we use all those senses as gifts from God in order to more fully understand and appreciate his creation so that we can get to know him deeper. So it is very active. And I think that versus passiveness is one of the kind of key distinctions between secular and Catholic meditation. I'll just note in kind of wrapping the, the big catechism piece up, the, the third expression, contemplation, is actually a separate expression of prayer. We sometimes use meditative or contemplative prayer kind of interchangeably when we, when we speak about this. Um, here the catechism quotes St. Teresa of Avila and saying, contemplative prayer, in my opinion, is nothing else than a close sharing between friends. It means taking time, frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. Um, in a separate quote, uh, outside of just the Catechism, not St. Teresa, Catechism says, contemplation is a gaze of faith fixed on Jesus. So you can imagine here, this is kind of the, the pinnacle of prayer, this is what we try and get to oftentimes in meditative prayer, a state of contemplation. So imagine kind of in a dating or a marital context where you're sitting across the room for someone on a date and no one's saying anything, no one's communicating, but you're kind of like, looking into each other's eyes, totally there, totally present with one another, fully in love, fully kind of feeling of oneness. That's kind of what we're trying to get after in contemplation, being in that um, co-presence, that co-being with God um, as a foretaste of the beatific vision. So um, that's what we try and kind of get to. That's a, that's a real resting and, and um, just passive resting as opposed to the active resting of meditation. Thank you. You know, I, I taught eighth grade religion for a few years, and I, I always go back to that catechesis, and it's always hard to remember the individual pieces. So I end up speaking towards the meditation piece, I would not remember it. And, you know, I do know that it's in there. <laughs> but so I appreciate the reminder. Um, what, you know, what does one, 
how does one get started with Catholic meditation? Are there different types that we can try? And how do you see, you know, how do you integrate this into your day-to-day life? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that it, one of the best parts of, about all of this is that it's actually extremely practical. And so while, while some parts of catechesis can feel um, really intellectual and there's nothing wrong with that, it's very good. The, the meditative piece particularly is, is very meant to be what you do on a daily basis to actually figure out the specifics of your life. And so this is one of those areas where there is actually some real practicality there. Um, the catechism will list a couple of different examples. I'll talk about some of them, um, some, some really great um, traditions that have come out um, of the church. Um, the two that I recommend getting started with, and this was where my personal journey, Alex, Eric, the rest of our, our founding team started with Letzio Divina, which is divine reading. Um, a really powerful tool where we take uh, scripture as the foundation of um, uh, our prayer. So this comes out from the very early church, um, uh, the early Desert Fathers. There's a long tradition around scripture as sacrament, right? Not just the, the written kind of aphorisms of the faith, but the living word. Um, and so it's it's not looking at scripture as kind of a Bible study where you're trying to figure out you know, historical context and, and really study who was writing this to who and, and, and kind of enrich the text in that way. It's really reflecting on scripture as the living word of God speaking to you in the here and now. And so there's generally four slash five steps, depending on how you want to think about the final step. And so the first one is to read. And so you pick kind of a small excerpt out of scripture, um, usually relatively small. You're not taking a whole chapter or something. And you read it slowly to yourself. Um, two or three times usually, and you're just um, looking or listening to what jumps out at you. So this is step number two, which is meditate uh, explicitly. And so you're asking, Lord, what are you revealing to me in this moment? Could be a word, single word, probably the most common, um, a phrase, an image, could be a memory, um, and just let that jump out at you. Um, so you're kind of asking the Lord, kind of, what do you need me to hear right now? And then the third one is to, to pray on whatever that thing is. And so ask God, okay, I've heard this one thing jump out at me, um, this word, this image, this phrase, this idea. What are you revealing to me in this moment? And that um, can be, it tends to be very personal to you, what you're going through in that moment. Um, and, and so that's kind of the most active part of, of the prayer. And then the fourth step is contemplation. So it's kind of resting in peace with whatever you received, just being in presence with God, uh, finding him in that silence. Um, kind of optionally, number five is, is action or actio, uh, like how you're resolving to move forward in a, in a way to implement whatever you received in prayer, if it's that kind of revelation, uh, but that's kind of optional. So if you Google like sort of you'll, you'll see some lists of four, some lists of five. Um, and so that's uh, Lexia Divina. Um, what I'll say is that it can often be fun to do in a family or small group setting. So you'll kind of use Halo or something else where everyone's listening to it uh, together and then sharing afterwards kind of what stuck out to you. Um, we see this um, a lot in kind of like religious ed programs, kind of like schools, families, people going through catechesis. I think one of the really cool things that can happen with Lexia Divina a, you're building your own habits, right, in your own life. But I think seeing and hearing different things jump out to different people uh, allows people to kind of these light bulb moments of, well, God is actually saying something different to me than he is to you. And 
I think it kind of really um, creates that experience of personalization. Uh, and I think that can be a, a really cool formational moment that God actually loves me and knows what's going on in my life differently than someone else. Um, I was doing this in a kind of conference small group setting last week. And, you know, we had five different people raise their hands to kind of share afterwards and five totally different words, totally different ideas jumped out. And I just, that's a really cool um, experience uh, to, uh, to go through. The second um, type of meditative prayer uh, that I would throw out there is the examine. Uh, so this comes out of uh, Ignatian spirituality, popularized by the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola um, and his spiritual exercises. And um, this is, again, really, really super prayer. So there's, again, kind of five slash six steps, depending on which list you look at. Um, but this is kind of meant to do at the end of a day, end of a week, end of a period of time. And so we're familiar with the examination of conscience. Right? So there's a specific type of examine um, used before confession to kind of call to mind our sins and to recollect those so that we can um, offer them up in confession. Um, the, damp the examine is kind of more broad and kind of reflects both on kind of positive and negative things over a period of time. So most commonly done at the end of the day. If you've ever been to a Jesuit school, you probably do this at the end of the day. And so the first thing is you kind of prepare yourself for prayer. Um, of center yourself, deep breaths, bring yourself into the moment, like we talked about. Two is always starting with a posture of thanksgiving. Um, so thanking God for the gifts of the day, recognizing um, in humility that we've received many gifts and that um, calls to mind that, that posture of humility, which is, uh, as we hear from the catechisms in a different area, the foundation of, of all prayer, really centering us in humility. And then we review our day. And so uh, the expressions you'll hear around this are kind of replaying your day like a movie in your mind, kind of morning, what'd you do? Who'd you talk to? What did you experience? Uh, going it through the you know, midday uh, meals, social interaction, school, class, whatever, uh, into the afternoon and the evening. And there's literally dozens of ways to, to do an exam. You can focus on different things, your joys, your um, sufferings, your relationships. Um, generally, you're looking for two kind of types of things, what the Jesuits would call consolations and desolations. Consolations, those moments where you felt particularly close to God or noticed Him in your life, finding joy, etc. Or desolations where you felt kind of far from God or struggling or suffering, temptation, uh, sin. And kind of step three, step four, you then kind of respond to God in that, um, in whatever kind of jumped out of you through that reflection. It could be it was a day of, of real struggle uh, and you're asking forgiveness and you're um, really. Um, just focusing on that piece of things. Uh, if it's a mixed bag or maybe more focused on great things, you're offering up gratitude for your blessings. And so you're, you're responding to the Lord more um, explicitly based on kind of a more um, intentional conception of your day and what happened. Sometimes that involves, hey, God, I didn't notice you there, but I now realize I'd overlooked that thing. And thanks for reminding me to see that. Notice you there. And then kind of the key part uh, in terms of practicality, you look forward step five to tomorrow. And you make an explicit uh, resolution to... Um, you know, what are you excited for? What are you nervous about? Um, kind of visualize what's going to happen and, and invite God into those moments in anticipation. And then you kind of close in silence, um, again, in contemplation and the sign of the cross. Um, and so there, one of the cool parts about the exam is that looking back and finding God in your day kind of builds the part of your soul, the muscle in your soul of noticing his presence. Uh, he's always there, right? It's what we believe. Uh, the more time we take to notice and look for 
what that feels like, the more we get good at, at noticing it. And I think the easier it is to kind of feel him and invite him into every moment going forward. And so it kind of strengthens our ability to kind of walk with him uh, through our day. Um, the, so that, that was the, um, the examine. And the last one I would say for maybe those that are um, more musically oriented, um, Taze chant uh, is, a, is a cool thing to get uh, started with. Um, one of the big challenges of meditation broadly, meditative prayer, this approach to prayer is the challenge of silence. Silence, I think, can be um, very overwhelming and, and uh, scary. What if we're coming from a position where we have constant noise, constant things going on in our lives? It can be hard to just sit still. And I think music is a really um, beautiful way for us to um, maybe more gradually build that posture uh, and ability to, to sit with the Lord. Um, so Taste of Chant comes out of an amazing spiritual tradition, actually in the 20th century, so pretty recently, um, in and around uh, the wake of World War II, where a, a religious brother um, settled in a town of France and, and did a bunch of great work in his local community, creating a um, group of men. Uh, it's now an ecumenical community where um, literally hundreds of thousands of young people go every year. And it's really about um, a repetitive approach to song, often open, open um, chanting of the songs, um, and kind of the repetition and the resonance of the music as allowing God to penetrate our souls. And um, it's really beautiful. It really, I think, transcends in a way that's different than um, like to be another day exam. It, it, it's very experiential, particularly with the music. It tends to be very beautiful. Um, Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict each visited Taizé. It's actually a physical place in France before they died. And um, some really amazing stories come out of there. So if you struggle with silence or you want to try something very different or new, Taizé chant can be um, really, really powerful. That's um, spelled T-A-I-Z-E, Taizé uh, chant. So those are, that was a bit of a monologue, but those are kind of three practical things you might uh, incorporate into your life. No, I appreciate it. I really do appreciate that. I did go to a Jesuit, school, uh, Jesuit college, so I, I am very familiar with the exam, but the other ones, um, it was really nice to learn other ways in which to interact with meditation. Um, why is it important for us to understand what Catholic meditation is? Yeah, I think there's two, two, two reasons. One, it's where the rubber meets the road. It's how we live every day. It's extremely practical. Um, I think particularly when you're thinking about things like uh, Lectio Divina, when we build a personal relationship with Scripture as the living word, like I said, not just the kind of book of, of truths uh, that's 2,000 years old, I think that opens us up to the sacraments in a really different way. Um, the, the Mass starts to make a lot more sense um, when we have that relationship with Scripture and the liturgy of the Word setting the stage for the Eucharist. Um, so kind of in terms of our journey of catechesis, I think it's really important. I also think similarly, the examine um, calls to mind uh, our life more intentionally in a way that uh, we're more aware of the blessings we have and we feel the pain of sin a little bit more. So I think, again, sacramentally, that can be a journey into confession and sacramental life, which is very important. From a catechetical or teacher perspective, um, I also think prayer and meditation is an easy way into the conversation of catechesis. Um, you know, we many other podcasts and, and webinars on topics like the spiritual but not religious and the disaffiliation of youth and um, the world and Western world. Um, some of the interesting survey data is that even among those that have fallen away and still identify as spiritual, 
even though they're not engaging with the institutional church in the same way, church attendance is down, baptisms are down, confirmations are down. Those that still self-identify as engaging in prayer, either daily or weekly, it's almost um, over two-thirds of the spiritual bound religious pray either every day or every week. And so people are asking these questions. Um, and so I think, you know, we all hunger to know God. The desire to know God is written on the human heart, as the catechism says. Um, engaging in that conversation in a way that's very personal and kind of between you and God uh, versus intermediated by kind of a teacher or something, I think can be really uh, a non-confrontational, easy invitation way to pray together and have that you-to-God relationship first between a me-to-you as a catechist or a teacher or something. And so I think it's a just an effective way to have the conversation. Also, we believe that, you know, God loves us. And if we want to have a personal relationship with us, his graces will flow into our lives. So you know, there's also grace is efficacious. Perfect. Thank you. And, you know, circling, going full circle here, how does Hallow fit into um, everything that we've talked about? Yeah, so pretty much everything, like I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm a finance guy. Uh, so everything I've talked about is, is something that has changed my life. And I only know because we went on the journey um, discovering all these beautiful things. I think one of the great tragedies of the modern world is that when we think of meditation, we don't think of St. Teresa of Avila or St. John of the Cross or Lexio Divina. We think of all these kind of Eastern traditions. And God is out there wanting to love us and reveal his plan for us, for our lives. And um, God has done amazing things for us in our lives. And so Hallow is just about us trying to help other people have those same types of experiences. So um, it's audio-guided prayer and meditation. You're going to find every technique we just talked about and many others, super short ones, super long ones, music, no music, um, different voice guides, um, some more entertaining, some more, you know, really reflective, different languages. It's really about kind of meeting you where you are in your own spiritual journey and helping you invite God into that space. We're all called to pray without ceasing, as we hear in First Thessalonians. Um, and it's like, how is that possible? So the app tries to, tries to help you do that. And we're really excited to partner with NCEA to, to offer a bunch of uh, additional resources and things like discounts and other things to, to members. Yeah, I understand that you have um, a really great discount here coming into the summer for NCEA members. Um, did you want to share anything about that? Or I can, I have the discount as well, so I could tell you a little bit, uh, share it yeah, out as well. For sure, yeah. So how is free to download and uh, has tons of permanently free content. So we have literally millions of people across the world that use our permanently free um, content. I should say our religious, uh, religious priests, deacons, nuns get free lifetime access. So if that it's your description. You'll go somewhere slightly different. Um, but if you go to uh, howl.com slash NCEA summer, one word, um, then you'll be able to sign up. And I, I believe it's an additional 15% discount for those signing up. That sounds so right. it's, a, it's a total of 30%. You guys are giving a little bit more to those Catholic school oh, educators. That's, that's, the big, <laughs> that's, the big, that's the big summer discount then. Perfect. Amazing. Yes. Yes. Big summer discount, 30% going to our Catholic school educators. And thank you for that because that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm even amazed myself. Uh, <laughs> perfectly, perfectly exciting. And yeah, something, you know, we, we started working with Catholic education specifically over the past two years and work with a few hundred schools, grade schools, high schools, and colleges across the country. And something we really just to do is to support the church after we got, you know, a bunch of emails from Catholic school teachers and catechists and principals um, asking for some help. We, we built some resources uh, specifically for schools in the classroom, outside of the classroom. 
Perfect. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast today and sharing all of this great information and the wonderful resources. NCA truly appreciates having Hallo as a corporate partner, um, but we also appreciate everything that you're doing to support Catholic education um, and continue living in our mission, our shared mission. So thank you, Alessandro. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, please know everybody that's listening. We're praying for you and the amazing work with you and just hope that God continues to, to bless you over the summer and, and beyond. Have a great day, everyone.